Hi, I'm Greg Ulan with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today is actually part two of a conversation with Sean Reyes, Chief Marketing Officer at Recall Masters. Uh, if you missed part one, go back to our last episode from two weeks ago and take a listen to that. I'd highly recommend it. It was a good conversation. Uh, but for now, let's dive into part two. Hey, Sean. All right, we'll get uh, get started with round two here. Thanks uh, thanks again for, for sitting down and hopping on. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. Yep, absolutely. So the last time we we ended the episode with you kind of making the case for uh, what sounded like a recall crisis, essentially. So um, let's go a little deeper on that and and talk a little, if you can, about how we how we got into this state that we're in today and and how we got to this this recall crisis. Well, yeah, certainly there's a lot of finger pointing to do. I mean, between the uh, you know I think the consumer safety groups and uh, the federal regulators are all pointing fingers at the uh, dealers or the manufacturers or the consumers that don't take action. I mean, the reality is that I'm not in, in recall masters is not focusing on who's to blame rather than facilitating the solutions that really uh, resolve uh, compliance issues. So I think most consumers uh, and the federal government and the manufacturers want to address this problem. I, I see everywhere I go, that there are, there are willing partnerships to be had, um, and we just need to make it easier for consumers to comply. And that begins with also assisting our dealers with uh, with helping them complete the repairs, because all those solutions are going to come at the local level, Greg. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so let's um, let's talk a little bit, Sean. You mentioned it and and kind of briefly in our last conversation, uh, technology and cars, right? So <laughs> you can make the argument really that um, the vehicles are becoming more computers on on wheels than they are, you know, a, a car or a piece of machinery, um, and, and that's not going to slow down, right? As we move more and more towards electric vehicles, as as more and more parts of the car are becoming connected, um, you know, there's just a lot of tech in there, so. Uh, what are your thoughts on the impact of of technology, uh, the impact that that has on on recalls and what what you're seeing? Right, and we haven't even gotten into self driving vehicles, uh, <laughs> which is uh, perhaps the next tidal wave of recalls to come. But at the end of the day, you know, a vast majority of this technology really has made vehicles much safer for the average consumer. Um, so it's great that you know, again, we're we're creating safer vehicles today. But but yes, at the same time. Uh, while my phone continues to require updates and patch uh, upgrades to to its operating system, so do our vehicles. So there's a, a massive wave that really hit two years ago where software and electronics surpassed Takata airbags as the largest incidences, not only in total campaigns, but of vehicles impacted. So, um, you know, that's going to perhaps be eye-opening for a lot of dealerships who uh, need to retrain staff to really, I think that the, the toolbox of the future is going to look more like a laptop. So I, but I think that also presents a lot of opportunities for dealerships to attend to more vehicles faster because those patch upgrades will be uh, much easier to attend to than, than the parts that need to be replaced. Yeah. And if the toolbox of the future is a laptop, I'd say the future is already here. I, I can't tell you the, <laughs> the last time I walked a a shop and saw a bay that didn't have a computer in it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, everything's connected um, for sure. So uh, shifting gears to focus a little bit on, on dealerships, right. And and why it's important to them. You've mentioned a couple of times, you know, this stuff is going to end up happening at the local level, which is, is really valid. And I, I appreciate that. Um, but from a dealer's perspective, you know, why do I, 
invest in something when, you know, the manufacturer, it's kind of their responsibility, right? And there's upside for me, sure. But, you know, the manufacturer is doing this, this type of stuff for free. Um, you know, why do I need to invest further? Well, it, you know, if, you, if you're going to rely on the factory to do all the work, then it probably explains why we still have one in four vehicles on the road today with a dangerous recall. I, I think it's really up to, to all of us in the industry, especially if you're taking vehicles in that are off-brand, um, either in through your service drive or at trade-in, um, you're probably going to have a, a greater responsibility to evaluate those vehicles and inform back to the owner um, that they've got a dangerous vehicle on board. In fact, as, as a dealership, if you're taking an off-brand in, um, at trade-in, uh, you don't really know what you're getting, right? If you're not checking that vehicle to see if even there's a remedy for that recall or or that parts are available, I think it's a risk on you. And especially as vehicles are changing hands at such a rapid rate, even your own brand, uh, there are second, third, fourth generation owners that aren't even aware that they've got a recall and they're relying on you uh, as the dealership to take care of that, to identify that for them and to repair that recall. And it still surprises me to this day that as many as 5% of those vehicles are still traveling through the service drive and not being informed that they've got a dangerous recall on board. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, from the consumer's perspective too, you know, dealers have to uh, have a delicate balance to, to take care of, right? On one hand, you want to make sure that you're getting as much as you can. On the other hand, you don't want to um, come across as pushy or invasive to the customer. So, um, from, from what you've seen and thinking about, uh, consumers and how, you know, they view the recall process, is there, I don't know, the perception might be that there's some level of annoyance, you know, around how the recall process happens and, and what it looks like. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, look at it. It's, it's fair to say that as a consumer, you really don't want to attend to something that, uh, you just really don't have time for, right? The consumers are busier than ever. So if they're coming into your service drive to attend to another repair, the last thing you want to do is miss um, that recall repair, right? So you want that notification. But I think I think at the same time, the average consumer, in fact, we did this survey. Again, I keep talking about this consumer survey that we, we have 82%, I think, of consumers that recognize that a recall is really an attempt for the manufacturer to promote safety. Um, that that while while it was somewhat of an inconvenience that that they saw this as a natural subset of of the manufacturing process and so as long as we make it easy for them um, I think most consumers are very appreciative and in fact 52 percent of these recall customers that come in uh, for some other work actually adopt or or buy in on additional CP work and so customer pay revenue is huge for for dealerships right now. Um, and then I, I believe it's uh, 50, another 58% of these consumers will come back for a second visit within 12 months. Six to 9% of them, Greg, go on to purchase their next vehicle from that attending dealer. So there's a lot for dealerships to gain from also uh, servicing customers. So doing the right thing by consumers turns out to be a very, very profitable thing for dealers. Yeah, so there's some upside for sure. And, you know, there's some some correlation between, um, you know, handle and recall work and, and the positives on the backside of it. But um, I guess sell me. So I'm, I'm a dealer, right? My shop, I feel like is completely full. Um, I'm making more money than I ever have. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I handle the recalls that come in and then I follow up with those customers on recommended work that we found. Um, you know, what, what else am I going to do? Well, I mean, the reality is that if, you, if you're at capacity, um, 
then maybe you've got some questions as to whether you can take on more vehicles. But here's the reality. The consumer is going to take action. Uh, whether you're there to assist them or whether they're going to go down the street to another competing dealer. So my feeling is that if you if you really want to retain these relationships with consumers over the long haul, um, you've got to attend to them. So you've got to be upfront with them about um, a possible recall and a repair that's necessary. Our biggest competitor in this industry is complacency. That is dealers that don't want to do anything or, or, or consumers that don't want to do anything about a dangerous recall. We're all just waiting for an accident to happen. Um, that's not how you manage customers proactively. I think there's so much to gain, but you've got to lead. You've got to have the right data and you've got to build it into the workflow. And that's why uh, the Reynolds and Reynolds partnership is really, really key in this. Yeah, it makes sense. But let, let's talk about that, that consumer complacency for a second too. Um, you know, so <laughs> there's maybe a perception, it might be reality, that you know most customers that come in on a recall or warranty work either a they don't care or b they're they're cheap and they're not there to buy anything and, and it's really hard to upsell them um can you talk about those two things a little bit deeper maybe so go and really diving into that that consumer complacency aspect of what you were just talking about well i think if you, if you make it difficult of course nobody really wants to attend to that but uh you know as we surveyed consumers 81 percent of these consumers uh, surveyed intended to take care of the problem within the six months. So, so why aren't they attending to these recalls? And the reality is that uh, the recalls are coming on to them faster than their ability to attend to it. So even if I'm checking for a recall last week, I may have a new announcement by next month. So staying on top of that, monitoring that and being a good uh, uh, monitor for your, for your clients to, to be proactively in front of them to let them know that they've got uh, they've got a dangerous recall and they may, maybe have to come back into the service center. That's good news for for dealerships that want to have these uh, regular engagements with their consumers. Uh, gives another reason for you to call that customer, bring them back into the shop. Um, that's really important for long term engagement. It's a really great safety message for a dealer. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, Sean, we, we've covered a lot of ground. Talked about a few different different angles of this. Um, but I'm, I'm curious: is there anything else that uh, maybe has been surprising to you as you've been a part of this this recall world, this industry um, that, that you've learned? Maybe a takeaway that that you want to make sure dealers take away too. Something that uh, I don't know might be under the covers a little bit that, that surprised <laughs> you. Well, I, I think every dealer is looking for differentiation. Nowadays, I mean, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you talk about how valuable these relationships are with customers and go go and prove it. Go and prove it by by reaching out to these consumers who are coming into your service drive, relying on you not only to deliver uh, quality service and manufacture parts and, and skilled technicians, but to safeguard their family from dangerous recalls. I think that's really important. Um, there's an also another hidden truth out there that if you... Uh, and it's not news to, to dealers that, uh, you know, they, if they're selling a vehicle with an open recall, they usually have signed disclosures that go with that. Uh, but those disclosures only protect you at the state level from uh, lemon laws. They don't protect you from product liability laws. So while it's still legal federally for you to sell a used vehicle with an open recall, uh, it might be an admission of guilt. Um, in a courtroom setting, should that uh, recall turn into an accident or um, accidentally kill somebody or, or lead to a, a bigger issue, um, that will that same disclosure could turn out to be an admission of guilt that you willingly and knowingly sold an 
a dangerous product to a consumer. So I think that's news for a lot of a lot of dealers that don't realize that you know that, that there is inherent risk to selling any car, off-brand, on-brand, with a with a dangerous recall. So you know you don't need to take that risk. You, you know what, what it could cost you uh, and the possible life of of a consumer in your neighborhood. Um, this is not a reputation issue. This is about whether you're doing the most responsible thing for our industry uh, and, and assist these consumers. I think that's a very important message that we shouldn't overlook. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so I think the, the takeaway is it's really in everyone's best interest, right? It's, it's right. Um, you know, certainly the, the dealership, certainly the consumer, certainly, you know, every, every party involved um, has, has upside. So, uh, definitely, definitely appreciate that. Um, well, Sean, been a, been a good conversation. What haven't we talked about that, uh, that we should, anything else you want to touch on before we, uh, before we head off? Uh, no, not anything. I mean, certainly I could talk for days and days and days about recalls. Uh, we didn't even get into the legislative issues that, uh, are perhaps a menacing dark cloud in the distance, but I think at the same time, um, the solutions are really going to come from our industry um, and thinking beyond outside of the box and helping our federal government um, address the needs uh, and concerns of consumers at large. So uh, I'd rather be a more willing partner uh, to help orchestrate that and, and, and architect those solutions. I think dealers are certainly willing partners as well as the manufacturers. So I think the solutions are before us. I don't think we need to head into legislative uh, deep waters that, that tends to not really produce uh, much for the average consumer. So uh, I think, I think, I think we're, we're ready to take those steps now. All right. Good deal. Well, Sean, thank you. Uh, thank you again for joining. I had a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Greg. All right. We'll see you. It was great talking with Sean today. And remember, this was part two of a two-part series. So if you missed the first episode, go back and check it out from two weeks ago. Before we hop off, don't forget, you can watch or listen to episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify podcasts. And make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. We'll see you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.